as I hear you pray, because that's what we just did, as I sit there with you and pray, because that's what we just did, I heard voices say, tear off the roof, lower me down, whatever it takes to get me to you, roll every stone, push through the crowd. God, I want to see you break through. That is the desire. That is our prayer. And that's this series. This series is entitled, Let's Go to the Roof. And we're looking at the miracles in the book of Mark. We're in chapter 8 today. If you want to go to Mark chapter 8, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation here in just a moment. Those verses will be on the screen behind me. This is our prayer. Let's go to the roof. Let's go to the place where the miracles happen. Let's go to the place where we are in the flow of what God is doing. That's what we say. It's on the wall. We want to be part of what God is doing. Mark chapter 8 gives us this account of two amazing miracles. But also, and this is what we've been gathering week after week if we, as, as we've gone through these chapters, it affords us an insight into how people interact with Jesus and with his power. It's not just informational. Okay, this guy got healed here, leper got cleansed, blind person can see. It's more than that. It's an understanding, an offering of understanding of how he works. Let's read from verse 1. Again, Mark chapter 8. The heading says, Jesus feeds 4,000. About this time, another large crowd had gathered. Another one, right? We just read about the 5,000. The people ran out of food. Everybody say it. Again. (laughs) They ran out of food again. We're in the same spot. Okay. Jesus calls his disciples and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. I love the compassion that Jesus has. I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days. And they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. You get the scene, you get the setup, the rising tension and what's going on, right? Jesus is teaching 4,000, and typically these numbers, you know, are just men. It even says that in some places that, you know, that many men, and of course there were other family members involved. So there's this large number of people. And even more information, he says, they've been with me for three days. I wasn't going to tell you, but I guess I will. We're not. I'm actually going to preach for the next three days. And you don't get to go anywhere. Like, that's what's going on here. There's three days of listening to him. And they run out of food. But the, the, the word that we, we highlighted, right? Again. Now, If you start reading the Bible and you start reading in chapter 8, I don't know if you'll read again and know anything about it, but we've been walking through these chapters. He just did a miracle for how many men? 5,000. So here we are again. How do we do when we find ourselves in that, I need you again place, Jesus? Which really, you ready for this? Should be about every morning you wake up. (laughs) About any minute you want to look at your watch throughout the day. You can wake up in the middle of the night. 
I'm going to go on uh, record here. Any moment and every moment is a moment that we need him again. His disciples replied, I love this, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Now, those of you that are just joining us today, you may not have anything to add right here, but those that have been with us for the last several weeks, they're asking this question, how are we supposed to get enough food? Does anybody have any suggestions from the crowd? (laughs) Right? I mean, Find a kid with some fish and some bread, and I think we'll be good. We probably know that Jesus didn't even need the fish and the bread, but here we go. He asks them, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. Now, in the previous miracle, he fed 5,000 with five loaves. This is 4,000 with seven loaves. The numbers are going the right direction. Seven loaves. Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground, then he took the seven loaves, he thanked God for them, he broke them into pieces, he gave them to his disciples, he who distributed them to the crowd. A few small fish were found too, so Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. We find ourselves back in this situation where there are thousands of people that need food, and it's bread and fish again. They ate as much as they wanted, verse 8. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. Now, what I think is great here is, how many, how many baskets full, do you remember? Twelve? I think it's good to notice that miracles don't happen the same way. They don't happen in the same order, and they don't even happen in the same outcome. Because if you have a blindness issue, or someone you love has a blindness issue, And the only way you read that miracle in the Bible is you're going to hope for something else. They happen in different ways. Different ways, different means, different outcomes, same source. Different ways, different means, different outcomes, same source. Sometimes you get 12 baskets full. Sometimes you get seven. There were about 4,000 men here, we've we've said. Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and he crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Okay, let's stop right here. We already said Jesus has compassion for the people. He felt for the people. Here's the deal. His formal teaching, he said he was done. He taught all the stuff. They got to the end of the book. (laughs) He was done. His formal teaching was over, but he was mentoring his disciples in another way. And Jesus fed these people just before sending them home. It wasn't at like halftime. It wasn't like intermission. It wasn't like the little break we just took. It's done. Concert was over. Everyone cheered. They walked off the stage. They came back. They did another song. Lights down. Concert was over. Nobody hangs around and thinks it's the responsibility of Kenny Chesney to feed us all after we hung out at his concert. Like, he came to do the concert. There wasn't an expectation about hang around post-concert. Hey, in my ticket, don't I get a take-home meal? No. 
It was done. It was over. But it was a beautiful act of compassion. An act of compassion that Jesus prompted. It was his idea. And I love that. Let's continue reading verse 11. This heading says the Pharisees demand a miraculous sign. Verse 11. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and they started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he did what I just did. Sighed deeply in his spirit, and he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? i tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back in the boat, and he left them. He crossed the other side of the lake. We read last week that Jesus intentionally went to a region outside of Galilee, outside of the Jewish zone, into a region called Tyre, a city, and Sidon. It's in Syria. He went there intentionally. Miracles happened when he showed up. Then he came south of Galilee and went into Decapolis, which is a region of ten cities. Again, a Gentile region. Heals somebody down there. Like, healings happen. He goes off grid to do God's work. Unless you are standing around with your arms crossed saying, prove it. (laughs) And when you show up, (laughs) he shows up, and the interaction is prove it. He gets back in the boat and takes off. Verse 14, this heading is the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. This is like Saturday Night Live. This is like hilarious. They, they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Now listen, I get it. You can have only $10 in the bank. You can have only one loaf of bread in the boat. You can have only one prayer left. But you know what? That $10, that loaf of bread, that single prayer is all he needs. That is all he needs. We don't have to have fear. We don't have to have anxiety. Lord, this is all I got. And he looks at us and says, yep, that will be enough. That will be enough. They only had this one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warns them. He says, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now here's their response. This is the interactions that are happening. So at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus stands up and he's like, hey, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Now what just happened? In Dalmanutha, where Jesus showed up, it was this group of religious leaders that said, hey, show us a sign, prove yourself. And he's like, you people got back in the boat and left. That's what he's referencing. But they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. But that's not even true, because they did have bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? And that is a call for us. We are around this. We engage Him. The presence of the Lord, as 
crazy as that is for me to know, believe, say, understand, is in this place. The presence of the Lord is among us. Don't you know or even understand that yet? We even believe He's in us. We literally believe we take Him with us. And I stand there right with you. And the reason I'm preaching this is because we all need to do business with this. The Spirit of the Lord is with us. That was His promise, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the idea. He wants to go with us and be with us. It helps to understand that. It helps to give a space for that. It helps to, to, to embrace that. Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? Verse 18, you have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? That's the real kicker, right? Don't you remember anything at all? Don't you remember? And really what this is just asking all of us, me, all of us. You remember when he was faithful? You remember when he brought healing? Do you remember when you cried out he was there? Whatever that manifestation is for you, it doesn't have to be the same as the one for me. That's a trick. It doesn't have to be. I got 12 baskets full. You only got seven. You got seven. Somebody else got five. Right? We had two fish and five loaves, and somebody else had three loaves and three fish. Like, don't do that comparing. Scripture tells us it's unwise. It's unwise to do that comparing. But when we step in to this space, when we say, you know what? I do have eyes that can see. And I actually do have ears that can hear. And I actually do remember. The question is, don't you remember anything at all? And you know how I would answer that? Well, in fact, I do remember. I don't have to answer that. Nope, don't remember a thing. No, no, no. I, in fact, do remember. I remember how you've touched me. I remember how you've provided for me. I remember how you've been, how do we say it, better to me than I've been to myself. I remember your kindness. I remember how you show up. I remember. I have been blessed and privileged to be around it. You can ask me that question all day. Don't you remember anything at all? Well, in fact, I do remember. I remember prayers prayed. I remember valleys walked in. I remember God being next to me in the dark. I remember the journey. I remember. He said, don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Well, 12, they said. And when I just fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Well, seven, they said. And he asks again, don't you understand yet? It causes us to pause and ask, am I living like I understand? Are you living like you understand? You're here. You're in the room. You're wanting to understand. You made the effort and the attempt to be here and you succeeded. You are here. You have stayed here for at least an hour. You're making the effort. You're making the attempt. But am I fretting while I'm here? Am I fearful in His presence? Am I misunderstanding what Jesus is saying? 
And as such, am I misunderstanding what Jesus is doing? Mark 8's teaching is about how we interact with this. It's about how we interact with miracles. Again, in Dalmanutha, Jesus was met with prove yourself, and he's like, I'll tell you how I'd handle that. See you later. The disciples are low on bread and apparently low on memory. It had just happened twice. Like we just, we just fed 5,000, just fed 4,000. Again, multiplied to be tens of thousands between the two events. Just happened. Have you seen God work? Anybody willing to give me a little wave if you've seen God work? Have you seen God change a life? Might it have been your life? <laughs> Provide for a financial need, anybody? Really? This room is full of people that get it. This room is full of people that have something to remember. How about heal a body? Anybody? Comfort a soul. Be present in time of trouble. This is a good place to be. <laughs> Because this room is full of people that remember. We know you are faithful. We can sing songs that don't mean anything to us. But for the hands that were just raised in this room, when you're singing these songs, they mean something to you. You've heard the story. I don't even know if it's a real story. Probably more of a parable. But there was a great orator. And he would quote Virgil and the Odyssey and Homer, all these classic works. The room was full. And it, people just standing ovations, cheering, roaring at this guy. In the end, he stepped out from behind, outside from behind the podium and he said, you know what, I'll field requests. To which someone in the back raised a hand. I mean, he fielded a few, right, and did different things. Someone raised a hand, lifted a hand. Happened to be, as the story goes, an old minister, older, elder, elder minister. Raised hand. Voice cracked, broken by years of preaching. He says, would you be able to quote the 23rd Psalm? He said, sir, you know what? I will quote the 23rd Psalm if, when I'm finished, will you quote the 23rd Psalm? The old minister nods his head and sits down. The orator turns and with rich baritone, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And on and on and on. And finally finishes. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And a thunderous applause. When it dies down, the orator looks back and says, Now, sir, would you quote the 23rd Psalm? To which the pastor steps up slowly out of his seat and begins. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down. In green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. As the story is told, and I cry there every time I tell that story, because I, like the minister, I don't just know the 23rd Psalm. I know the shepherd. I know the shepherd. I remember his grace. I remember his goodness. I remember when I am dirty and broken and he kneels and lifts me up. I remember his healing touch. I remember his hand. I have heard his voice. And I have felt his comfort. And you have as well. This room is full of people that know who he is. Verse 22, the heading says, Jesus heals a blind man. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. They begged him to touch the man and heal him. We need to look at 22 again. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. They took him to the roof. We don't even know who they are. It doesn't say. But they heard Jesus was someplace. They went out and found this old boy. And they made an intersection. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand. He led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes. More spitting. A lot of spitting. He laid his hands on him. And this is what he asked. If you've never heard this miracle, this is such a powerful miracle. He laid his hands on him and he asked, Can you see anything now? Now listen, I don't know what kind of pressure you might feel in a situation like that when the greatest of all time, who like heals everybody he touches, looks at you and says, how'd I do? How'd I do, how'd I do in this moment for you? And this guy... I think might have a little pressure. The man looked around and he said, yes. He said, I see people, but. I see people, uh, uh, but. <laughs> but I can't see them very clearly. In fact, they look like trees walking around. <clears throat> wow. Wow. Wow, Jesus is asking you, hey, how did I do? Lord, please help us. Lord, please deliver us. Lord, please save us. And we feel like we got a little something. But we know it's not all the way. We feel like we got a little bit of a blessing. But we know it's not all the way. If I was preaching this concept and this miracle wasn't in the Bible, it would be so offensive. 
If I was saying, hey, you know those moments when you pray to Jesus and Jesus just kind of heals you? You know those moments when he touches you and he didn't really get the job done all the way? You'd be aggravated. You'd be irritated. Probably offended. You'd be like, that ain't, that ain't the Jesus I know. Well, that is the Jesus right here. I don't know why. I'm just reading. But that's what happened. Jesus touches this guy. And he says, you know what I see? I mean, I couldn't see it all. Ready? I could live this out right now. I can live it out right now. You ready? I can see, but all those folks just disappeared. They are as trees walking. I see them, but I see them as trees walking. That means the miracle isn't exactly how I was hoping. Oh, man. May we have the courage and the boldness to tell the truth. To seek our God with our whole heart and be present where we are really and tell the truth. Jesus then placed his hands on the man's eyes. Everybody say it again. Come on now. This is when I need you on the organ, dude. Right now. Come on now. Jesus, touch me again. Thank you for how you're guiding me. Thank you for how you're leading me. Thank you for how you are progressively healing me. And Lord, touch me again. Now when he did this, when he placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened, his sight was ready, come on, completely (laughs) restored and he could see everything clearly. May I give you an encouragement and even maybe an admonition? Shoot straight with Jesus. (laughs) Go for all of it. Healing all the way. Not my legs broken and I'm getting around. But healing all the way. Not just kind of deliverance. Not 70% free. Not 80% free, but free. Free. And I think Jesus can handle it. Lord, thank you for that. I was hoping for a little bit more. Thank you that I couldn't see anything at all. But I'd like to see more clearly than I see now. I'd like to see everything. In fact, how about this? I'd like to be completely restored. There are folks in this room that deal with all kinds of addiction. All kinds of addiction. And we struggle with particular things, whatever that addiction is, whatever that drug of choice is. And we can say, well, you know, I'm not doing it a lot. Haven't done it for, I mean, the craving is still terribly there, but I haven't done it in a while. I'm doing pretty good. I got a little track record going. I got 114 days. I'm doing doing better. You are doing better. But I'd like to see you completely restored. I'd like to see you completely healed. Completely healed. Completely healed. Where you can look at something on your computer and you're like, nope. You can look at a temptation in this world. You could walk past that bottle and you look at it and you're like, no. There is a difference between how a smoker and a non-smoker responds to the question, 
would you like a cigarette? There is a difference between how a person that's never smoked and a person that smoked and is trying to quit responds to that question. If I am the person that has smoked for years and I'm trying to quit, Jake, you ask me, you're like, Andy, you want a cigarette? I'm like, buddy, no thanks. I'm trying to quit. I am not a smoker, haven't been. If you ask me, Andy, you want a cigarette? You know what I'm going to say? Bro, I'm not a smoker. You know what completely restored looks like? I'm not an addict. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not an addict. I'm not that. Oh, I, you can present it to me, but I'm not. I'm not that. That's not who I am. I'm completely restored. Completely. Completely restored. I believe that Jesus Christ can do that. In fact, I believe he has. And frankly, the number of people in this room, he probably has for people in this room. Completely restored you. What you used to be, you are no longer what you used to be. You're not just some upgraded, better version of messed up. Jesus sends him away. Says, don't go back into the village on your way home. How powerful to tell Jesus the truth. How powerful to tell Jesus the truth. Why was it a partial miracle? Who knows? Who knows? Arnett, come on up, buddy. Who knows? As far as I'm aware, that's the, that's the only miracle in the whole Bible. It's like a partial thing, and then they continued. And they were found, found com- complete sight, com- com- completely restored. What is it that you've been carrying that, frankly, today in the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to carry anymore? (laughs) Now, full disclosure, I carried things that in a moment I can tell you the place on the planet. Many times I can tell you the date Sometimes I can give you a time stamp when that was it. And I never went back to it. And it never happened again. And I was completely and totally healed and completely and totally changed. I can take you to those spots. But let me tell you something. In the moment, I didn't know. I didn't know that was it. I didn't know that was it. It was done. I didn't know that. Because, you know, I'd been trying, right? I'd been struggling. And I'd been trying. And I had a couple good weeks and a couple bad weeks and a couple good days and a couple bad days. And I didn't know if, I didn't know, well, I just didn't know that was the one that was going to be, that's it. I used to live for God in such a fluctuated way that when I went home as a kid, my buddies and brothers, friends and all those guys were like, Smitty, is it two weeks on or two weeks off? That's what they would say. Is it two weeks on or two weeks off? 
are you going to be handing out tracts for Jesus or are we going to go get a case of beer? That's what they would ask me. And there were seasons of my life, years of my life. Where I'm like, I, uh, two, weeks, two weeks off. Uh, I, I guess I only had about 10 days on. Uh, a few, just a few days on. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of back on the off part, right? Just back and forth. Now, my parents have a friend that was a co-worker, worker colleague with my dad, so he was my dad's age. And he'd come around when I would come home from college and through the years. I mean, I grew up in Illinois, so even around this area, I'd come back and see him, you know, and drop in holidays just like everybody else. Jim Grable. And I promise you that every single time I would see Jim Grable, you know what he'd ask me? Two weeks on, two weeks off, Andy. You know what I was able to tell Jim? This just happened just like a, a year or so ago. You know what I was able to tell Jim a couple years ago? Well, Jim, 31 years on. 31 years on. But hear my, hear my words. I'll, I, I'll tell you the story sometime. I wrote, I wrote it in a book. Like a, it's, it's documented. I didn't know. The moment it happened. And I never turned back. I did not know that was the moment. Hear me. Because there's going to be a moment here today. There can be. Today. Like right now, today. It can be that moment for you. Where you never have to look back. You never have to look back. Completely restored. Would you join me and pray? Would you join me and pray right now? They're going to sing this bridge from Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let, let me walk. Can we pray that space? God, help me be honest about it. Help me be open about it. Humble about it. And maybe you're praying for you or maybe you're one of the people that brought the blind guy to Jesus. That's okay too. Who are we going to lay at his feet this morning? And may faith rise up for you. May faith rise up for you so that you can believe you can be completely restored. It is a thing that can happen. Marty, say Let God lead you in these spaces this morning. Spirit, lead me. invite you they're gonna they're gonna keep playing this because I'm I literally am, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit say right now that if you want that miracle that you feel is out of reach if you want that transformation that seems unreachable untouchable if you want a newness 
of life, this is what it's gonna require. It's gonna require you to go through something unbearable sometimes. It's gonna require a little bit of suffering. It's gonna require you to go through a wall that seems fortified. There's a wall in front of you right now. And you have to go through it. God is inviting you through that wall. Do you hear me? He's inviting you through a wall and he's, you know what, he's not gonna ever leave you. He's never gonna leave you. He's never gonna forsake you. There's a whole book called Lamentations of Sorrow and Affliction and Suffering. And you know what they say? I remind myself that your love is unfailing. Your faithfulness will never leave me. I remind myself every morning there's an invitation to that. There's an invitation to know Jesus, to know our Father. You don't know him by just doing miracles and doing things that literally Jesus says that. He says, you cast out things, you make miracles happen, but you don't even know me. That's what it takes. You have to know him. I want to know you. The community wants to know you. Your friends want to know you. You have to speak those things out and walk through the hard things. Don't put on a face. Don't put on a facade. Don't lie to Jesus. Don't lie to our friends and say, you know what? I can't see clearly. You look like a tree to me right now. That sounds funny, but I'm being real right now. Can I be real with you? Because that's, I don't mess around. I don't mess around. Be real. Because you know what? Jesus is real with you. He says, I see you. I see you hurting. I see you crying out. And I'm inviting you through that, in it. Through it and in it, he is with you. And that is when the miracle happens. <laughs> I don't mess around with Jesus, guys. I don't know if you come here to mess around, but I don't mess around with Jesus. I don't want you to mess around with Jesus. I don't wanna do this half-hearted. Be desperate for him. Every day, that is, what, that is what these next steps, that's all I'm right here. I'm just, I'm next step guy. Your next step is be desperate for him every single day. Be desperate for him every single day because his mercies are new every day. His grace is new every day. Even when you feel like you've run out of grace because of something you did or something you said or you didn't do it yesterday, but you know what? It's today. And today you have an option. Use your option. It's Jesus. It's his spirit.
read this to you. I want to, this, I was back there and I, and I went to it before Andy even mentioned any of this and I want to leave this with you. In Lamentations 3 it says I remember my affliction. I, rem- I remember my wandering. I remember the bitterness and the gall. I don't even know what gall means. I will remember them though. Remember, I will remember them. I remember the way I was. I remember the way I remember the way I was just yesterday. I remember my soul was downcast within me. This is real stuff. I know I love I know I love the Lord. I love to sing and joy, be joyous, but there's also not so joyous times. And then right here, verse 21, it says this. It says, yet, I love that word, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed by those things. Those things that happened yesterday. Those things that happened this morning. Those things that happened in this room. Those things that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm not consumed by them. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Jesus. And I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. And therefore, in the suffering... In the hard times, I will wait for him. I will wait for him. Let me pray right now over you all. (sighs) Jesus, Father, you are great. You are greater than all things that I have ever encountered, all things I will encounter, all the things that my friends have encountered, my family has encountered, this room has encountered. Remind me who you are, Jesus. Let me hear your voice and the invitations that you are putting in front of me through suffering, through trials, through temptations. God, they're invitations to you to rely on you, to rest in you, and sometimes, Lord, even to fall at your feet and cry out. Lord, we need you. Lord, I say that right now again. I need you, God. I am desperate for you. 
My stomach churns for you, Jesus. Because I don't know what to do with myself sometimes. God, bring healing into our lives today. Bring grace into my mind. Bring forgiveness for the sins that I have done. Forgiveness, Lord, to extend forgiveness to the ones who have done something to me. Lord, God, and even for, forgive for the things around me that I see. God, because you care. You care. You're a father who cares. And uh, thank you. That's all I can say is just thank you, Jesus. Help me to walk with you every day, God. Hold me up every day. Let me wake up with you on the, on the first thing on my lips and let you be the last thing on my mind, the last thing on my heart as I close my eyes. As I rest in your embrace, we rest in you today, God. We rest in you today. We thank you that you bring us to redemption. You bring us to sit next to you, to walk boldly to you, to be confident in you. And we thank you the fact that you wrap a robe around us when we come back to you. I thank you for it, God. I pray that over this church, over these people, God, and over these families and over uh, their kids. Thank you for it, Jesus. May they be blessed today. May they be known. May they be seen by you. May they be seen by you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day today. Yes.